Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome listeners to the first installment in my Superman movie review series. Today I am reviewing Superman the movie. This is your host Corbin, and if you would like to know about the creation of the film, the box office, the critical reception when it came out and how it's held up today, all of that can be found in your guide to Superman. That came out last week. So that's the first link in the description below. So go ahead, listen to that, come back here and listen to my review. And while you're down there, make sure to follow me and Alan on Letterboxd. We post our thoughts, we post our ratings of movies we watch throughout the week. Uh, We have timestamps if you're ready to jump straight into the review or just jump around in general and uh, all kinds of other great content down below. So you're not going to want to miss that. And no matter where you're at, leaving us five stars is a great free way to help us out. So Superman came out in 1978, came out in December. No surprise there since this is a very messianic story, a highly messianic Jesus-esque story here. So clearly I wasn't alive back in 78, um, but I did watch this movie as a kid growing up. I watched it. uh, We had the VHS of it. Um, I even saw it on TV sometimes with added footage. Um, the original Lois Lane is on the train um, when Clark Kent is running really fast alongside it in Smallville, Kansas. That's the original actress who played Lois Lane. Um, it doesn't make it into the theatrical cut, but it is in the TV version. So unfortunately, her role is excised. I was looking for it this time around. I didn't remember. I was cut out of the theatrical. It's only on the extended TV version, uh, which is available for purchase. Um, Go ahead and uh, check that out. You can go buy that on Blu-ray. As for where to watch Superman, you can pick it up on 4K now, Blu-ray, digital, it's streaming on HBO Max, so it's really easy to get your hands on this movie. So in 1978, we did talk about this last week, but this was a big deal for a superhero movie to be coming out in theaters, which is, of course, funny to think back now since superhero movies are the it's like the highest grossing movie of all time is a superhero movie it's in the so many of them are in the top 10 we get multiple coming out of year they've really taken over uh, as far as our you know cultural zeitgeist goes superhero movies are huge but back then it really hadn't been done before batman 66 is the one everybody always referred to which was really campy based on the tv show superman also had his own tv show before batman in the 50s Now, Superman did get his own theatrical film in 1951. It only clocked in at 58 minutes long, but it was enough to be considered feature length. It's called Superman and the Mole Men. Now, I had never seen this before, to my recollection anyway. I had forgotten about this, but I did grow up watching the Superman TV show. I believe TV Land would play reruns of it along with the Batman show, so... Growing up as a kid, I really grew up with all of this older content. That's what I (laughs) grew up watching, interestingly enough. So coming back to this Superman did jog those memories for me. This Mole Man thing is something else. 
Um, Superman doesn't show up until 25 minutes into the movie. Um, he runs around with townsfolk because these mole men have come up out of this well. They're, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's a really surprisingly rural story. They drilled 32,000 feet into the earth. I don't know how deep you drill for wells, but that sounds crazy, honestly. Um, and these mole people popped up. And they're just subterranean and they're fairly harmless. They're kind of these Frankenstein-esque people where they're harmless. They don't really know any better. They even play with this little girl like um, in the Frankenstein movie, the black and white original movie. Um, you know, this was a fairly joyless experience to watch. Uh, I do not recommend it. It came as a bonus feature on my Blu-ray cut of the film. Um, so that's my mini review for Superman and the Mole Men. It's highly boring. Towards the end of the film, Superman just disappears in general. Uh, it's a big disappointment, but I guess it was enough to pique people's interest. And they kicked the TV show off after that, which lasted for a number of years. Now, if you have not seen Superman the movie and you don't want it spoiled for you, go ahead and click pause right now. Go ahead and check out the film and then come back and click play and we'll be ready to talk about it. As for the plot of this movie, it's a fairly straightforward origin story where Superman grows up on Krypton. Well, he doesn't grow up there. His family dies there. He is sent off to Earth. He is raised in Smallville, Kansas, where he learns, you know, American values. And then he moves to the big city to become a reporter. This movie doesn't explain why he wants to be a reporter at the Daily Planet. But nevertheless, he does become a mild-mannered reporter, and um, by night he is Superman. And it's really all about him, you know, revealing himself, essentially just like Jesus. He's 30 years old. He comes, he begins his ministry. This He becomes this, you know, starts his heroism here, and he falls in love with Lois Lane. And then this kind of mastermindy guy, Lex Luthor, wants to blow up California and sink the San Andreas fault line in order to create new real estate because he owns all of the real estate east of the fault line. This only comes into the fact about an hour and 50 minutes into the movie. And then the last 20 minutes are Superman flying around, stopping these nuclear missiles that Lex has taken over and resurrecting Lois from the dead. He literally has the power, just like Jesus, to resurrect people. Uh, he turns back time which is uh, something we're going to talk about here at the end of this review. Starting right off the bat, this movie opens the right way. Not, not including that really, really weird um, opening that I completely forgot about where these curtains open up and it's almost like an old film serial and it's a boy reading a comic, Superman comic, and it's all, all about, not about Superman, it's all about the Daily Planet. Doesn't make any sense. It is a bizarre way to open up. Has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. And then we get into the opening credits with the incredible score from John Williams. It is, if you, if you haven't heard it, you're really missing out. It is a really powerful way. You just feel the energy of the opening credits of this film. And then I'm shocked to see screenplay and story by Mario Puzo. Now come to find out pretty much nothing he wrote makes it into this final film, but nevertheless, he does get his writing credit up there. So, um, surprising to see, nevertheless. Now, we do also start, we don't start on Earth, we start on the Society of Krypton. It does feel otherworldly, it feels very futuristic. It seems almost like it's made out of ice, but we're not quite sure. It's just this, you know, far off distant planet. 
Now, Marlon Brando does a really great job as this kind of wise sage of another world, then they're not listening to him. And there is great costume design in this movie, great outfits, incredible production design as well. I'm surprised it didn't get nominated for those Oscars. Um, his wife leads a, she's a famous actress as well. She, she does leave a lot left to be desired, unfortunately. Um, she doesn't seem too sad to leave her son. Brando actually didn't memorize any of these lines. Um, he just read them off of cue cards. Uh, because he refused to learn them and he only shot for like three days maybe and was out of there. But Jarrell's speech is great. The speech about the father becomes the son and the son becomes the father. I've, I've always loved that speech. And of course, the fall of Krypton is, you know, pretty traumatic, especially if you're a younger kid to watch these people just, just meaning, meaninglessly die very quickly. Um, Gives you a lot of uh, melancholia vibes. If you've watched that movie, you know what I mean. Um, not quite that emotional, but nevertheless, before we get, you know, past Krypton, because it really is just kind of the prologue to this movie, it's a weird way. Also, how this movie opens up, it has multiple openings, and it is Jorel and the council condemning Zod and his two other, you know, cohorts to the Phantom Zone. This has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Now, the original ending for this movie was Superman throwing a nuke off into space, which would hit the Phantom Zone, releasing Zod, and Zod would, you know, scream, I'm free. And then he would come to Earth and wreak havoc. That would be the setup for the sequel. You have to remember, they're shooting these movies back to back. So this setup for the sequel comes in the very beginning of this movie. It's entirely out of place. It's focused on a little bit too long to really make sense within the context of the film as a setup anybody would remember two and a half years later but nevertheless this movie has multiple openings and then we go off into smallville clark's teenage years they do have a good old-timey feel i will say that they did they did a very well job with that um the visual effects don't quite hold up here Clark running alongside the train. It looks interesting. Um, kind of reminds me of Claymation almost. But I will say the cinematography in this movie really is top rate. Cinematography is very well done. Um, and of course, the Kansas stuff doesn't last too long. But one thing that Donner isn't afraid of is letting this movie just ruminate. Letting this movie just breathe. Uh, we'll really get a lot of time now there is even more left on the cutting room floor over 40 minutes are edited back into the extended cut so there is even more krypton stuff there's more smallville stuff there's plenty of more you know gene hackman in this as well so if you want that longer fuller vision of the movie not donner's preferred cut he has his own director's cut out but nevertheless it still is there there also is real prestige to this film they didn't give it that hokiness from Batman 66. They really did a great job of treating this like a serious film, a serious contender. And uh, it really comes through. Even to this day, you can still feel it. And I will say one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when Superman goes off to the, well, not Superman yet. He's still Clark Kent. He's still learning. He's different. He's recognizing his powers. And uh, the actor... Does a good job coming through with that. And I know his lines were 80 yard with Reeves voice. I didn't, I didn't actually notice. I think they did a pretty good job with it. I know some people are bothered by it. He goes off into the fortress of solitude for 12 years. And then it just cuts to him in the Superman outfit. And he has 
yeah, he's grown uh, very similar to what scripture does. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. They really are kind of following the uh, the life of Jesus here, but he is in his Superman outfit. Um, it's such an awesome scene. and You get to see him take off and fly for the first time. Honestly, it gives me chills. Moving along to the Lex Luthor portion, Gene Hackman is one of my favorite actors. He gives he, he never gives a bad performance, at least none that I've seen. He gives a great performance as Lex Luthor and even Ned Beatty, his henchman, does a fantastic job. Uh, we see he's very ruthless. He even murders a detective, Detective Harry, in cold blood, where he pushes him through this, like, you know, hydraulically controlled wall onto a subway train. That always scared me as a kid. Uh, he lives in this underground lair, which is kind of fun. It's a great, you know, kind of interesting world building there. Luther, later in the movie, also has a great idea where he broadcasts a message only Superman can hear and only dogs can hear because it's at such a high pitch. Um, and that's how he gives get Superman to come to him. Yeah, he does a great job with that. And of course, I always love him yelling Miss Tessmacher. He brings a lot of fun, but a lot of magnetism to this movie. So Gene Hackman, you know, Christopher Reeve does a great job, but I'm I'm hoping in the sequel they get to play a little bit more off each other. I don't know that for certain. Once we finally do get to see Superman do the classic, you know, run and rip open his uh, clothes, something we would see Sam Raimi do later with uh, Spider-Man in 2002. Um, don't we don't really get that's not really what Batman does, but nevertheless, this is this is it. This is so exciting, and I genuinely have excitement. Um, and there really is a power to this this helicopter scene where Superman gets to save Lois and he reveals himself to the world. Um, it's really great. And the flying effects are great too. That's why I won the Oscar for visual effects before there even was, <laughs> before there even was an Oscar for it. And this shows me Donner is in complete control of the script, of the actors, of everything. He has a purpose in mind and it, his direction really comes through in this movie. So I'm very impressed with it. I, I'm very happy with it. He does a great job of making this entertaining for children, yet still retaining that non-cynical quality and still engaging for adults, I would say. Um, I mean, there's more in this movie I'm picking up on as an adult. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the pacing here in just a minute. Um, it is also surprising that the villain's plot is revealed an hour and 50 minutes into the movie. I think that could be bad, but Donner has paced it well enough to make it work. That's really not the crux of the film. Typically, most movies have the good guy and the bad guy pitted against each other throughout the entire movie, which makes sense. But this really is the Superman movie. We're really here to just watch Superman. And then, of course, he gets this really big challenge at the end. So I thought that was surprising, but he pulled it off. Now, of course, I have not mentioned it yet, but Lois Lane does die in this movie. It is, that really scared me, honestly, scarred me a little bit as a child. Watching her being buried alive, it is so horrifying. That'll make you claustrophobic. That'll make you grow claustrophobic. Anyways, Superman is able to save her through this forbidden power of turning back time. He's told by Jarrell in the clouds not to interfere. This has no payoff whatsoever. Now, maybe it does in the sequel. But nevertheless, um, it's okay. Even as a kid, I wasn't crazy about that. Now, my main disappointment with this movie, I will say, is the pacing. This movie really does take its time. 
And if you don't know what you're in for, this movie is without credits, about two hours and 16 minutes. I can see a lot of people, especially modern audiences that grow up with the template of modern superhero movies, finding themselves being bored. But this really is an epic. It is a story being told, you know, across the whole galaxy from childhood to the fall of a major civilization to Superman, you know, revealing himself to be, you know, this Christ, new Christ figure to the world and essentially saving also, you know, half of California and also New Jersey from being nuked there really is a grand story to tell here unfortunately i think it's a bit too languid it really does take its time and of course lex luthor is you know picked up throughout the movie he's eccentric but aimless um there just isn't much to his character unfortunately and that is more of the hokey side of the movie also the climax is just too long there is a sense of urgency to Superman, you know, stopping these missiles. That's great. But there is a ton of establishing shots of Jimmy Olsen walking around this dam and taking pictures and Lois doing an interview and just driving her car out into the middle of the desert. It's not creating suspense. And then Superman, of course, has to, you know, stop and do a thousand th different things. Um, it really goes on for far too long. Also, he promises to save Miss Tessmacher's mom. Um, we don't ever really see the mom. He just stops the missile. So that itself felt a little empty. Um, I guess stopping the missile is good enough. The opening credits are also incredibly long. My wife was like, can you just skip through these and let's get onto the movie? They're too long. They really are. Um, they're, they're proud of what they did with them, but they're just too long. I also found this very just funny just to bring up here i put in my notes kansas is filmed in canada yeah this is filmed in alberta canada i believe um some parts do look like kansas um some parts don't at all with some crazy valleys you can even see some mountain peaks in the distance that don't make any sense um one of the worst parts of this movie is the rooftop peter pan stuff is just droll where lois is having you know this girl crush on superman asking him goofy questions um it was boring as a kid it's boring now as they go fly through the clouds it's this wispy romantic stuff you just don't care about um and as she says can you read my mind i'm like a schoolgirl. i'm like a fool it's bad it has it really should have been cut from the film i mean it's incredibly hokey, so maybe you can enjoy it for so bad it's good. Uh, it's just ridiculous. It's a great piece of music. That's the only reason to listen to it. But maybe if you took your date on this movie, it would give her something to kind of feel these romantic feelings about. And also, I gotta say, the ending of this movie falls a bit flat. They really don't know how to end it. Um, they end it with him turning back time to save Lois, which is pretty epic. But then he decides to go pick up Luthor and just drop him in the middle of a prison. It feels really out of place. And then, of course, we get a, him, you know, flying over the world and credits roll. These endings feel unnecessary and tacked on. We don't need everything wrapped up. And, of course, we have multiple endings. Once again, just like multiple beginnings. So there is, I, honestly, I'm shocked that this movie was nominated for Best Editing because there are a lot number of editing issues I think would be cut out. Like, honestly, 
I want to watch the extended cut someday and the director's cut. I can't imagine, though, how that would be very interesting. Superman the movie is nostalgic for me. While I did highly enjoy Burton's original Batman and was more drawn to that, I always remember enjoying the uplifting and exciting feelings I got while watching Reeves as Superman, along with the terror I felt at watching Lois be crushed. Yet Superman miraculously saves her. My nostalgia for this is untainted by the sequels, since I never saw those, save for Superman Returns, which was more of a sequel reboot that came decades later. While I finally think back on this movie, I do recognize now, and even back then, although a lot to a lesser extent, its pacing issues, coming up short on the villain, and some hokey stuff that doesn't play well today. I still think Superman is a truly exciting superhero film that gives me goosebumps with some awesome visual effects and one of the best scores of all time. I think modern superhero movies can take a page out of this one. Don't get caught up in the CGI and heart-wrenching story. Lighten up and be a kid again. Superman the movie receives 7 stars out of 10 with a solid recommend. So would I pick up or pass on this one? Yes, I did pick this one up and added it to my collection. Actually, for about... I think it was between 30 and 40 bucks. I got all of the re Superman movies on Blu-ray in a pack with all of the, the Burton and the Schumacher. It's all of those movies in a, in a nine film set. So uh, yeah, it's in my collection and I'm happy to have it there. Other movie recommendations I have for you listeners. This one might seem a little bit weird, but I am going to recommend Die Hard. This gave me some Die Hard feelings because John McTiernan directed the heck out of that movie and he really was in complete control of it the same with this i really feel like richard donner has some fairly great control over this film i'm also going to be recommending clash of the titans i know i know totally different genre um, both have some fantasy elements to them but that one is another you know hero's tale hero's story uh, where it's this great hero and it's a great adventure and it really does give me some of those lighthearted um, themes. The original Clash of the Titans I'm talking about with the Harry Housen special effects. I watched that as a kid also. So if you haven't watched that one, have some fun with that. I will warn you, it is a PG that probably would be R today with the amount of nudity that it has, but check it out. So as I talked about in your guide to Superman, Superman 1 and 2 were filmed concurrently. They were filmed, you know, at the same time. 75% of Superman 2 was finished while doing the first film, but it had become too much work on them to try to juggle both at the same time. They said, we don't even know if this film is going to be a success or it's going to flop. Let's just focus on the first one and then come back for to finish up the second one. So the first one clearly was a major success. They came back for the second one. But as for Richard Donner coming in and finishing up his vision, well, that's something we're going to talk about next week. That is also why it took them two and a half years to get Superman 2 to theaters. It should not have taken that long, but it was a real mess, surprisingly. So you're not going to want to miss that discussion next week. Well, listeners, a question after the show. Did you enjoy watching Superman as a kid? And do you find it boring now, coming back to it all these years? Is it still as enjoyable for you? Or is it uh, too little too late? I know I can speak for my wife here. 
she was not interested in this movie unfortunately and i don't blame her with some of that stuff but i still think there's a lot of fun to be had here so make sure to email me at silver screen guide i'm here to uh listen to what you've got to say i'm very curious uh let's have a conversation about it so my email is below go ahead and email me uh we can talk about it there uh we'll read your answers on the show also so excited to hear from some of you um well listeners once again thank you for coming along with me on my review of superman the movie make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you have not already share with your friends and family we love talking about movies and we love talking about them with you and i'll see you next week for Superman 2. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube Facebook and Twitter page, and of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.